It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello, this is Brian K. Wright. I am the host of Success Profiles Radio, and it's a pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be an amazing, fantastic show. I'll be introducing my guest uh, in just a little bit, and I promise this will be a really fantastic hour. It will be terrific. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things that I've been thinking about and learning about lately, and I typically do this every single week. Have you ever noticed uh, that life tends to go in cycles? Sometimes things are up and sometimes things are down. I prefer to think of life as having seasons. There's a time to reap and a time to sow, as the Bible very famously says. During those downtimes or winter, if you want to make the analogy for the seasons, it's really important to remember that your most productive days may be the ones in which you just planted a bunch of seeds, even if you didn't experience many outward results. Because just like in gardening or farming, some of those seeds will eventually produce a fruitful harvest. Now, when you're in harvesting season, you'll be reaping the fruit of your previous labor. But what many people forget, however, is they're so busy reaping that they forget to keep planting. Once you've finished reaping the labor, you may realize that you've not been planting seeds at this time, and then you'll run out of things to harvest, and thus the slow season begins all over again. So the key is to remain consistent. Keep planting seeds of future opportunity all the time so that you'll have something to harvest later. Stay in action. Keep looking. Plan several steps ahead to minimize the cycles that we all inevitably face. You will be so very glad that you did. With all this in mind, I want to introduce my guest. My guest this week is Greg Faxon. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Greg Faxon is the only business coach who catalyzes radical and lasting results by focusing on the performance of champion-hearted entrepreneurs. In a time when information is abundant but transformation is rare, Greg helps his clients get out of their own way and grow their businesses fast so they have the impact and the lifestyle that they really desire. Greg is the author of the upcoming book, The Inner Game of Entrepreneurship, and he speaks regularly to colleges and conferences about how to develop the mindset necessary to succeed in business. To learn more about Greg and to sign up for his free weekly newsletter, just head over to gregfaxon.com. That's G-R-E-G-F-A-X-O-N.com. We will discuss all of this and so much more on today's show. And with that in mind, here is my very special guest, Greg Faxon. Greg, how are you? Doing great, Brian. Thanks for having me. I'm fired up. That intro music is is great. That's my type yeah, of stuff. It's, it's one of my favorites, absolutely for sure. It gets me going every single week as well. So here's the first thing I always ask everyone. I ask people to tell us about their background, their backstory, what they learned, what they overcame, and what brought them to where they are now. I know you've got a really interesting story. Sure, be happy to do that. So before I was an entrepreneur, I was a wrestler, and that's a big part of who I am. When I went from middle school to high school wrestling, that was obviously a big jump. And I remember a specific moment where we had rankings for prep schools in New England. And you could go online to this website. And just before the season started, my freshman year, I went and the new rankings were out. And I saw my name and I was ranked second. And I was surprised. The first reaction was I was surprised because I had won a few tournaments in middle school, but I, wasn't, I hadn't made that my thing yet. So I was surprised to be ranked second. And then my second reaction right after that was, well, I don't want to be second. I want to be first, right? And so 
I, the other person in my weight class was a senior. I was 103 pounds back then. And I was, I, I think there was just kind of this brazenness of, well, if I'm, if I'm close to the top, I might as well be at the top, right? And that's that champion hearted mentality. Uh, the people I love to work with all have it. But I knew it was going to require doing something different, doing something extreme. And I, used, I remember I used to wake up at 5 a.m. every morning. And I would, some days I would run to school and back. So it was like a 10-mile run. And then I would drive to school with my sister um, after that. You know? And I think that that mentality of that hunger and kind of obsessive drive to be the best that you can be has carried over through different things. So I, I did that in high school. I ultimately became an All-American wrestler. And I did it in a little bit in college before I moved on to my next thing. But it doesn't take very long if you're the type of person who is always looking to improve and grow, which I assume most of your listeners are. Um, I think that they can relate to that hunger and drive of never being satisfied. So a lot of the clients, when they come to me, they've already been high achieving and successful but what got them to their current level of success isn't enough. There's going to be, need to be some sort of tweak. And typically, like you mentioned, the bio, that's an inner game tweak. So people who are great at their crafts have mastered the outer game, right? So in wrestling, we spend a lot of time on physical skills. And coaches and athletes in sport spend about 90% of their time working on specific techniques. And that's fine up to a certain level. You have to know how to do the moves, obviously. But if we look at top performers, what sets them apart is typically mindset, beliefs, that emotional, that inner game. And so it doesn't really make sense that we spend 10% on that stuff. And so I think that's a big part of what's missing in the business and entrepreneurship world is there's plenty of courses you can buy. There's plenty of trains you can go to. But there aren't a lot of people who can help you kind of dig through that inner bot battle that's going on with yourself, both in terms of creativity and performance and all that. And so that's what gets me fired up. And it really started with wrestling. It started to see, okay, between my freshman and senior year, my freshman year when I went 0-2, lost both matches at nationals, to my senior year when I was able to be an All-American, um, what changed? And the physical skills changed, but more than anything, the way I thought about the sport and who I was changed. Wow. That is absolutely amazing. And your athletic career really didn't end there. You decided to do something really radical, and you did Spartan racing for a while. Do you still do that? I don't do it anymore, um, but Spartan racing is fantastic. For anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's essentially, they're typically at ski mountains. It's essentially a trail run mixed in with some physical challenges, so carrying sandbags of a black diamond hill or crawling under barbed wire. The other brand you may have heard of is Tough Mudder, which is more of a team experience. Uh, Spartan race tends to be more for the elites. They have rankings and, and things like that, and I just like pushing myself. You know, That's what helps me feel alive, so... Um, and it's, it's nice to do things too, where, you know, your people are at, right? Like whoever, yeah. the people who are standing next to me on that start line for the elite heat or Spartan racers, they're going to be my type of people. And so I think it's important to find the people who are like you, especially as you become more successful or more driven, uh, it gets lonely. You know, there's not a lot of people who you can relate to. And that's another piece of what I love about what I do is a lot of these people that I work with, they've reached such a level of success that no one is there to tell them, hey, you barely scratched the surface of your potential. There's way more in there because everyone else is like, I, I want what you have, right? Right. Exactly. I, I love that. So let me ask you this. How has Spartan training influenced your business and the way you conduct your business? I think one of the biggest ways is through rituals. I think a lot of us rely on willpower way too much. So if you feel like it's a discipline game, if you feel like it's a hustle game, if you watch Rocky and Rocky 2 and Rocky 3 and all the Rockies, 
and you get obsessed with those um, kind of that idea that I can kind of muscle it out, that really doesn't work at the, at the highest levels of performance. And if you look at people who are great at what they do, some of the best in the world, they're not relying on willpower. They've automated their training and their habits into their days and into their weeks. And so in terms of Spartan racing, it's been, you know, what time do I train each day? Do I have the right training protocols? Do I have my kitchen set up so that I'm only eating good foods, right? I just don't have it in the house. Those right. are types of the things as an athlete that are helpful, but especially as an entrepreneur or a leader or someone who kind of has to self-motivate and create your own structure, mm-hmm. um, it's nice to say, okay, I have maximum freedom now, which is why I'm in the game, but you, all you have freedom for is freedom to determine what you want the structure to be. You don't get to have no structure, right? So in this book, Daily Rituals by Mason Curry, he documents all the different uh, success rituals of kind of the creative geniuses, right? So Beethoven and all these different people who we really look up to who have been, who have endured throughout history. And all of them have different rituals, but they all have a very specific routine, right? To where one of them, I remember, I forget who this was, but he counts out, he counted out 60 coffee beans every morning, right? It doesn't, it doesn't even need to have a function, but it's something to contain uh, kind of that uncertainty and that hustle within so that it's not a constant uh, process of picking yourself up by the bootstraps. It's just what you do on Tuesdays. Yeah. And it's all about having the discipline to do what you need to do, whether you feel like it or not. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Now, before we get into your career as a coach, which you're currently doing now, you also spent some time in Fortune 500 companies doing market research uh, for, for businesses. What was that like? Yeah, so I, well, I was doing market research and consulting for Fortune 500 companies, and that was my first job out of college. I'm, I'm really grateful for the experience, um, but it, I also, that was a huge turning point. I mean, that was one of the things that made me realize that I, I wasn't going to be working for someone else in the long term, and I think people who are entrepreneurial can just relate to that. It just isn't, it's just not, it's just not a fit to be working for someone else. I remember one month in to that um, job, I was sitting at, you know, an office, I actually had a corner office. It was a smaller firm. I was really grateful. I had a a lot of good responsibility, but on that day I was moving a number from one Excel spreadsheet to another Excel spreadsheet. And I was just totally brain dead, Brian. I mean, like one of the partners walked by my office and he's like, Hey Greg, how's it going? And I was like, honestly, it's kind of mind numbing moving a number from one Excel spreadsheet to another Excel spreadsheet. I was just real with him. And he said something I'll never forget. He said, you know, you can't go to the boardroom right away. And that changed my life. Those words changed my life because I realized I was going to have to wait, especially at my age, I was going to have to wait at least 10 years to actually make an impact. And so I had to ask myself, is that the impact that you want to make? Is this the type of meaningful work that you're uniquely suited to do? And as soon as I asked that, it became really clear that the answer was no, it wasn't the work that I was meant to do. And so just like wrestling, started waking up at 5 a.m., started writing, started hosting personal development workshops in D.C., and that's what really created the foundation for the business that I have now. So grateful for the opportunity. I think it touched on a few of my real strengths and passions like psychology and marketing, but I think ultimately I didn't have enough autonomy um, to, uh, to do the work that I was wanting to do. I remember one of the pieces of feedback I got was, we can tell when you're excited about a project, you go all in, and we can kind of tell when you're not excited about a project. And that's not what you want, right? I mean, that's not right. really great for both parties. So I, I had to come to the realization it's time to do this thing on your own where you can just finally step into that potential that you have. 
Absolutely. We've got a minute or two to our first break. I know you've also, we also have something else in common. You've gone skydiving and I've done it too. Was it a tandem jump or was it a static line jump? What did you do? It was a, it was a tandem jump in New Zealand on the South Island. It was a beautiful spot. Wow. That is amazing. Oh, I guess we're at break. All right. We'll be right back. This is Success Profiles Radio. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Did you know you can quickly grow your business online and offline for free? SmartGuy.com is one of the fastest growing business networks in the world. Managing over 600 city business networks from Los Angeles, California to the country of Bahrain. In just a minute or two, you can add your business and be quickly listed in their global business directory, local business networks, and get a free web page that can actually rank on top of major search engines in as little as one to two weeks. No kidding. Simply go to www.smartguy.com. Fill out your company information and you're set. So add your business for free and find out why everyone loves a smart guy. Smartguy.com. This is the Tokinet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. trouble falling asleep and staying asleep? I know that drugs can be addictive and cause a hangover the next day. That's why you need the Sleep Band. The Sleep Band helps you fall asleep quickly and easily and for a longer period of time. This results in a more restful and peaceful night's sleep, which is something all of us need. With the Sleep Band, you will wake up fresh and alert, ready to begin your day. You can get your Sleep Band and other great healing products by visiting HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Check it out today for a better sleep tomorrow. HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. All right, we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. We're having some technical difficulties here, but that's okay. Uh, this is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Greg Faxon. He is a transformational coach. And in the last section, this last segment, if you missed it, oh, are you here? Yeah, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Okay, Greg, we're back. We're live on the air. So tell us a little bit about how having coaches and mentors has impacted your career and your business. Perfect. Um, well, yeah, that's been huge. So I mentioned that a month into my a month into that job, I realized that I wanted to make a change. And one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle that I was missing for a while, but finally helped kind of catalyze me was hiring my first coach. Her name was Christina. And a couple of things happened there. First was that the outer game stuff was helping me figure out just what do I need to do to get clients? What do I need to do to grow this business? But the bigger thing was the inner game. And the, the biggest piece of it was figuring out, okay, what is, what is my vision? What do I want this to look like? 
and what are some of the things that are holding me back. Um, and one of those things that, and this has kind of been something that I talk about a lot now with people, uh, that we didn't articulate at the time in our coaching, but I kind of realized after was a huge part of that transformation that I made in my business was something I call creative avoidance, which is this idea that it's not procrastination. It's not just avoiding things that you consciously know that you should do, but it's a subconscious process. So sometimes we have things that are, that are scary for us. And because they're scary, our mind actually fools us and keeps them outside of our conscious awareness. So it's not that you're not doing anything. You're actually staying busy. That's one of the ways that creative voice operates. But for me, an example was I was tweaking my website, and I was writing a blog, and I was doing things that I thought were important in the business, but really they weren't moving the bottom line of the business. Because if I wanted to be a full-time coach, what I needed to do was coach. I needed to be on the phone with people. And that was scary because you can get rejected. You can do a bad job. Um, but ultimately, that's what was going to drive me forward. And so um, I think the biggest thing for people listening is what is that thing that you're avoiding right now? What is that thing that, that's scaring you that would actually move you forward? Because everything else around the periphery is typically moving you a lot slower than you need to go. Wow, that's fantastic. I really like that a lot. Um, and, and certainly having a coach can be very, very impactful. Uh, let me ask you this. How have your experience of working with other coaches informed your own coaching philosophy? Okay, can you hear me? I just switched to Skype. Sorry about that. Yes. All right. So, great. We're back. Um, work, I think the biggest piece of you, – you take different things from different coaches, you know, and that's why it's important to choose someone who is really a fit. I think what I took from one of my first coaches was uh, a way where you can just bring love to everything that you're doing. I, I'm a highly driven guy, and sometimes that can come off as being mechanical, being a little bit robotic, and it's easy to let your relationships – kind of go by the wayside if, if you're that way, if you're kind of just doggedly pursuing a certain goal. And there's a way where you can be successful in business and working with clients or in your career that can come from a place of love and not kind of from an insecurity, right, or from fear. So that was a big thing I took away from my coaches that I work with people on now. Another thing that I've taken away, we have a common uh, friend, Shannon Graham, is yes. just a relentless focus on the thing that you're trying to be the best in the world at. And that requires saying no to a lot of things that could be a good fit, but they're not a good fit for you based on what you want to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. He, and he is an amazing, amazing coach. I mean, he's been on my show. It's been a couple of years, but uh, really insightful. One of the most insightful people I think I've ever had a chance to talk to so that I appreciate so much about him. And I know that you work with him. So let me ask you this. What do you do as a coach? What differentiates you versus other coaches that you see out there in the marketplace? I think the biggest piece is, is what I mentioned earlier, which is that a lot of coaches are focused on domain expertise. They use the word coaching, but it's more of advice consulting, right? And these are people who may, be, may have great domain expertise, and it allows them to create courses and guides and all these different things. But at the end of the day, most coaching isn't deep coaching. And most coaches are more focused on their own marketing shenanigans and getting clients for themselves than actually creating results for the clients that they already have. And so the biggest thing I focus on is differentiating what is information and what's transformation because I'm only interested in transforming the people I work with. And I only work with people in ways that make results inevitable. I'm not trying to work with someone in a way that 
that seems good for me or that scales and that creates a certain type of business because it has to be really intimate, really intense engagements in a way that most people aren't used to. Most people aren't used to having someone who will say things to them that their parents, their friends would never say to them. Um, but that's a huge piece of coaching is being able to see, I see you, I see where you're holding back and I see where uh, you're letting yourself off of the um, kind of off the line in terms of what you're accomplishing. And especially when you get to higher and higher echelon of clients, uh, there's less and less people who are truth tellers for them. Right. And I think it, it, would, it would occur to me that people who are super, super successful are not used to being told exactly as it is. And so there's that challenge, perhaps, from the person being coached. You need to be coachable and you need to accept what I'm telling you. You liking it is not required. Sure. Yeah, Absolutely. so a, a fellow coach of mine um, in the coaching world, it's called Rich Lipton. One of the things uh -huh. he talks about is my job is to serve you, not to please you, right? So I, I think that's an important concept for coaches. And it, I think it's relevant in relationships too. I mean, a good partner, my, my partner Emma, um, the other day we were having a conversation and she talked about something in my business that didn't make me happy because I was kind of thinking the other thing mm -hmm. at the time. Um, I was thinking about dropping one of my programs and she was like, have you really thought this through? And it didn't necessarily please me. Like it wasn't the most agreeable thing. She was pushing back. But yeah. that's really what makes a great partner is someone who's more invested in your own growth than just in them liking you in that specific moment. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's talk about the importance of being bold because when you are putting yourself out there, you have to be bold. When you're working with certain clients, you have to be bold enough to tell them the truth and not just what they want to hear. How important is it to be bold? And I mean really, really bold. And how would you define boldness? All right. Yeah, so there's a lot there. How would I define boldness? I would define boldness as um, like almost stepping off a ledge and assuming that it's going to work out. Um, that, that's what boldness is to me. And it's important because so many of the things that, are, that greatness requires are uncertain, right? So it requires stepping off of that ledge and not knowing if it's going to work out. One of the things that I talk a lot about is acting as if. This is mm. something that people talk about in athletics, um, is just acting as if. And so boldness is really important because you have to assume that you know what you're doing and you know that you have what it takes. Yeah, that, that is absolutely important because if you are not willing to be bold, if you are not willing to stand on that ledge and be willing to fall, a lot of growth is, is not going to happen. There's something to be said for being willing to escape your comfort zone and even, let's just put it another way, violating your comfort zone. I mean, that puts a whole new spin on it, wouldn't you think? Sure, yeah. I mean, no major growth happens. Um, inside of your comfort zone. So violating is interesting. I think so. I actually think it's important to know where your comfort zone is at because yeah. you, you can't and shouldn't be living outside of your comfort zone at all times. It requires a tremendous amount of energy and intention, um, and you just can't stay there forever. Um, but but knowing how to step outside of it is obviously important where you're going to do anything new. Um, any it's like lifting weights, right? I mean, if I stay at the same weight and the same rep count. And definitely the muscles don't grow. So it's the same with boldness and bravery as it's a muscle that you can develop over time by doing things that make you uncomfortable like skydiving, um, you know, like these things we've been talking about. Absolutely. So let's dive a little deeper into mindset because that is a huge part of what you do. And, and the, what you alluded to earlier was that 
a lot of people focus on the physical or the technical part of someone's career and not a whole lot of time on the mindset and the inner game. And that is such a critical component. People have strategies, but they don't always work because their mind isn't in the right place. Does that sound like a reasonable assessment? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Also, it's like, what's your way? You know, how can you do it your way? It's, it's easy to follow a system, the seven-step formula, but there's a reason that that usually doesn't work for you. What worked for the guru doesn't work for you because they're not you and it's not that specific point of time. So it's really important to know how to develop your own way. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a couple of minutes left to our next break. And I, I think the, the inner game is absolutely important. What happens when you uh, encounter a situation with a client where they just can't break through or they are really resisting what it is you're trying to get them to do? Well, uh, so that, that situation wouldn't necessarily happen where they are resisting what I'm trying because I'm not going to try to get them to do anything that doesn't feel good for them. I think if it's, it's a matter of if they're feeling uncomfortable, what, what is stopping them? And first defining what the enemy is, what is the opponent, right? And for most opponents, it's fear. It's what I just talked about. There's some sort of fear uh, hidden underneath what you're working on that you've got to figure out. What, where is that coming okay. from? Is it logical? That's right. And we are coming up against our next break. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest is Greg Faxon. He's a transformational coach. We will talk more about what he does and how he can possibly help you if you are looking for coaching. We will come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? Concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. Escape Artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and create your escape plan right now. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Greg Faxon. He's a transformational coach. And we will talk more about coaching in just a second. If you do want to connect with me, I am on Twitter. You can find me at Mr. Brian K. Wright. I am also on Facebook. I've got a business page called Success Profiles Radio. You can also find me on LinkedIn. You can also download and subscribe to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes anytime for free. In fact, I would love it if you would do that. If you would download and subscribe for free and even write a review, hopefully a positive review, but, but say what you think. And I would love to have your feedback and any suggestions that you have would be fantastic. We would love to keep making this show all about you and helping you get out of it what you want and bringing you the very best guests that I possibly can. So, Greg, let me ask you this. Everyone in business must, must eventually sell something or their business will die. Why are some people scared to sell? 
Oh, well, it just cuts to the core, right? I mean, selling is is the ultimate test of that fear. It's the ultimate target for creative avoidance. And I mean, let's talk about how deep this goes. We're social animals, right? So rejection is, isn't cool. If you're in a tribe of 50 people and you get rejected, you could be out. I mean, you could be yeah. dead when the tribe moves on. And it seems a little bit silly to talk about that when we're in our modern day culture, but that's still where our brains are at, right? So we have to out-evolve ourselves a little bit and, and notice that unless you're getting no's, you can't get yeses, right? And so that's a huge problem is people kind of using a passive approach to selling and hoping that people will call them up or you take the next step. But during selling, it's really your job to lead. So I think that why, why it's so hard is selling just pushes all of our primal buttons. Um, and it's really – and we don't know what's going to happen, right? So it's the ultimate stepping off a cliff because yeah. you could get rejected. You could get accepted. Um, and – it's the same with athletics, right? If you're not failing, if you're not going up against better opponents, you're not learning either. So um, I think selling is hard, but it's also necessary, like you said. Until you yeah, sell absolutely. something, you don't. the business doesn't exist. Right. And it requires a pretty strong self-image and a pretty strong self-esteem to hear no all the time. But it is part of the game. And the people who are super successful are the ones who know how to navigate that without losing their minds. <laughs> I think you made a great point, which is that a lot of this is, is about self-worth, right? Yeah. I mean, if we're really going to get deep about this, a lot of it is do you attach your own value as a human to the results that you get in business? Because if yeah. you do, you're going to be riding a roller coaster of emotion every day. Something goes well, you get a client, you're feeling like you're very valuable, you're worthwhile, and when something goes poorly, you suck, right? And yeah. so really important to create a little bit of a separation there and rise as a person, you're good. Like your, your value is not changing over time with your income, with your business, with the sales you make. Um, and it's a game. It's a game of, of can you add value to people? Can you serve? And if you do that often enough, the sales will come, but they're not going to come if you're hiding behind your computer like I was tweaking your logo, tweaking your website. Yeah, exactly. I, I appreciate that for sure. So let me ask you this. Uh, there are a lot of people out there who probably are coaches or perhaps want to be coaches. For someone who is in that place where they want to be a coach, do you believe it takes a specific skill set? Uh, sure, yeah, it definitely takes a specific skill set. I mean, like everything, there's a craft to learn there. And I also think it, it's not for everyone. Um, it, it requires a real patience. The best coaches are actually very patient. They're not rah-rah. They're not necessarily motivational with their clients the way that we typically would conceptualize it. But they have an ability to step back not bring anything to the table, not bring their own stuff to the conversation and be able to listen to what's happening underneath the surface with the client and ask questions to dig that out. It's one thing, like I've been saying, to be able to say, here's what you would do. Here's steps um, A through Z on building this business in a successful way. Fortunately, that doesn't map to everyone. So the best thing that you could do is figure out what is stopping that specific person. So it does take plenty of skill sets, listening, um, asking powerful questions. There's some domain knowledge, obviously, in there that's helpful. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't think it's for everyone. I think that there's some soft skills, too, of just being wanting, wanting to believe in people, wanting yeah. to see someone's potential, because that's the biggest thing you bring to the table isn't the specific skills, but it's just holding this vision with a person of you're way more than this. And actually, if you don't believe it, right, if you don't believe your client can achieve a certain outcome, uh, 
it's going to be hard because you're the person they hired to help you do that with them, right? And so yeah. it's a lot about managing yourself and managing how you're feeling about clients, which is how, where the rituals come in too. Before I hop on any coaching call, I'm taking five minutes just to be silent, to meditate, to imagine where they're going to end up as a result of the conversation. And that's huge. It's like before yeah. this radio interview too. It's like you have the opportunity to change someone's life right now. There's yes. people listening to this and you got to take that responsibility seriously. So I think that there are skill sets and then there are hard skills and soft skills. Absolutely. Do you prefer coaching people one-on-one -on -one or do you like the idea of group coaching as a way of conducting your business or do you mix it up? I've done both and I'm, you know, I, I introduced group coaching about a year and a half ago and there's a real nice, there's kind of an X factor to group coaching because you have this tribe with you. And you can't, and some things happen in that kind of mixing pot that you can't do individually as a coach. It is different. I mean, it is a different type of intensity and it's a different type of focus that you can have on what's holding a client back. Um, and because of that, I'm, I'm moving more towards exclusively doing one on one uh, just because that's what gets me excited. And, uh, you know, actually having all of my clients come here. For two days, we have an 80-acre farm property and really establishing a deep rapport. So I'm, I'm moving even more away from scale than I have in the past. But group coaching can definitely work if that's your cup of tea. Absolutely. Let, let's talk about creating momentum. I talked a little bit earlier in the show toward the beginning about you know planting seeds and reaping and, and keeping in action the whole time. How do you talk to people when they just feel completely stuck and they don't have any momentum? I think you create your own momentum. Right? I think it's, it, there's kind of a passive mindset and proactive mindset that we've been talking about. Sure. And it definitely comes up with momentum. So there's a lot of people who are kind of waiting. When I feel inspired, right, then I'll get going. The reality is our thoughts follow our behaviors much more than our behaviors follow our thoughts. So this is called self-perception theory. So sometimes we think when I feel like I'm a runner, when I feel ready to run, I'll start going on that jog. As opposed to, if I get up and run every morning, I'll start to uh, absorb the identity of a runner, right? And so as you take action on things, your, your feelings and your thoughts will fall in line. And so momentum's created. There's definitely days where I don't feel like doing the stuff that I got to do. And taking small little steps, eventually you, you kind of fall into the gate of momentum that you need for the thing. So I guess that would be my piece of advice is um, start with small steps and realize that you might not be feeling it all the time, um, but you will start feeling it when you get into the game. Yeah, I feel the same way sometimes when I go to the gym. I don't feel like it, but I know I should. And so I do. And once I'm done, I am so glad I did. Absolutely. It's a great example. I mean, working out is a great example because we all know how we've had times where we feel like crap before a workout and we don't want to do it, but that's actually the reason we needed to work out, right? So sometimes it's like the, the thing you think is stopping you from doing the thing is actually why you need to do the thing. It's like saying, well, I, I don't want to go to the gym. I get to, out of breath quickly. Well, that's why we're telling you to go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get in better shape. So right. sometimes the excuse needs to become the reason for doing the thing. And so when you find yourself making excuses, thing, I have, have this thing stopping you, that's why you're doing it. You know, it's the same thing in entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is the greatest channel that we have, in my opinion, alongside athletics and certain types of long-term relationships to unleash our potential. So when you come up with a fears, like, I'm, you know, you're scared of selling, 
Well, this is an opportunity to grow in an area where you feel uncomfortable. So all yeah. of these things we do, the whole reason, in my, in my opinion, is to grow. So if you feel uncomfortable, that's a great sign. It means you're doing it right. It means you're putting in the reps. Absolutely. We've got about four minutes or so to our final break. I can't believe how quickly this show's going. You have a really interesting way of assessing your progress through a process that you call your annual review. Tell us about this. I think this is really interesting. So I got the idea of an annual review from someone named Chris Gillibo, who's been blogging online for a while. And you know, he once he started doing this, it kind of spread through the blogosphere. And so the idea of an annual review is reviewing your year once it's over and thinking about, okay, what went well, what didn't go so well, and what what's my intention for next year? What's my main focus? And it's so important, Brian, to be intentional, not just at the end of every year, but at the end of every week, at the end of every day. Um, and in athletics, we have this concept called deliberate practice, right? And in, in music. So when Malcolm Gladwell published his 10,000 hours um, kind of concept, one of the things that got overlooked, the original paper was by someone called Erickson. And it, it's the idea that it's not just the hours you put in, but there's a certain way of practicing that world-class performers use, which is they don't just shoot 100 baskets, but after each set, they're thinking, what's going well? What do I need to adjust? And that's how you really accelerate your learning curve. And so the reason I do that every year is because I don't want to keep banging my head against the wall every year, right, on the things that are difficult. I want to figure out what needs to change, right? Because if, yeah. if nothing changes, nothing changes. If you don't, if you don't consciously decide to do something in a different way, you're probably going to get the same results that you've always yeah. gotten. So the annual review has been huge for me in, in helping just do that um, kind of inventory. What's going well? What do I want to achieve for the next year? Yeah. And I love these questions. What did I do well? What didn't I do well? People don't necessarily like facing that sure. because that forces sure. them to assess why it didn't go well. And uh, sometimes that can be a very painful thing to do, but you have to do it. Uh, and then what am I working toward this coming year? I, I like that because it really forces you to be forward thinking. The, the fourth and final question that you have on this is what is this year's theme? So is this more like a, a metaphor that you carry with you for the entire year? Yeah, I think it's important to have things that you can kind of mantras and themes that you can carry in your pocket. So I don't remember what the entire weekly or sorry, what the entire annual review was. Um, but you can remember a theme. And a theme is just something where you take what happened last year and you say, okay, what, based on last year, what do, you, what do I think this year is going to be about? Um, and, and then go and do that. So this, this year is the year of grounding for me. It's really about setting up some solid foundations after some big leaps, both moving and in, in business as well, and saying, okay, what is that? What's going to be that core foundation for me? And then putting some roots down. So um, I think a theme is helpful. It's just, you know, anything to help you kind of keep your mind right as things get uncertain is, are, are important. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I love uh, that idea of a theme. I, I was talking with another coach uh, several months ago, and he's got this whole character archetype thing in his coaching program. And uh, we talked about the idea of being a warrior, and I'm sure you can identify with this, you know, with your athletic background. But there are certain things about feeling like a warrior that give you courage. And sometimes that's the thing that you need is just the courage to start or the courage to continue when things aren't going well. And we've got about a minute to our break. What do you, what do you think about that, the idea of a, a warrior? I think it's a great theme. I think we need more of that. I think that um, we've, we've created a society through technology that keeps us really comfortable 
and doesn't, doesn't force us to go off into battle if we don't want. And yeah. I think it's why people can become complacent in jobs, even as entrepreneurs in their current business model. So I love the idea of a warrior because unless you're proactively saying, I'm going into battle on this and, and have kind of that grit, it's not going to happen by circumstance. So I think it's a great theme. Absolutely. We are coming up against our final break. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very, very special guest this week is Greg Faxon. He's a transformational coach. He's got a book that's coming out, and that book is called... Let's take a look at that once again. It is The Inner Game of Entrepreneurship, and it's going to be absolutely fantastic. In the final segment, we will talk about his podcast and some of the people he's had a chance to interview. We will be right back. to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Do you have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep? I know that drugs can be addictive and cause a hangover the next day. That's why you need the Sleep Band. The Sleep Band helps you fall asleep quickly and easily and for a longer period of time. This results in a more restful and peaceful night's sleep, which is something all of us need. With the Sleep Band, you will wake up fresh and alert, ready to begin your day. You can get your Sleep Band and other great healing products by visiting HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Check it out today for a better sleep tomorrow. HealingFrequencyProducts.com. good idea to marry someone just as smart as you, if not smarter, because according to studies, you'll have a built-in brain booster sitting right across the breakfast table. Scientists discovered that after 14 years together, the spouse with a better grasp of verbal meetings and word fluency had pulled their lower functioning partner up to their level. So what's another word for a marriage between well-matched persons? Nomogamosis. As opposed to a marriage in which persons are grossly incompatible, heterogamosis. A kiss at least once a day can trigger the release of the bonding hormone oxytocin and lowers the level of the stress hormone cortisol. What's another name for kissing with your eyes closed? Tiflophasia. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Greg Faxon, transformational coach. And Greg, you also have a podcast. Tell us what it is and who it's for. Sure. I had a podcast just come out, and it's called The Bravery Project. It's only a seven-interview series, so we've released the first three. Fourth one's coming out tomorrow, and you can just search in the iTunes store, The Bravery Project. Um, so there's a reason that I did you know, just a very specific, not ongoing, a few interviews, because I had the opportunity to interview some of the top minds in personal business development. So if you're an entrepreneur, you'll recognize names like Seth Godin, Pamela Slim, um, and, and a bunch more. And so one of the reasons that I put it out as a podcast was I actually had that stuff on my hard drive for a year. 
I did these interviews last year and it speaks to the power of being able to outsource because I just didn't have the bandwidth to put them out. And I was able to get someone who managed the project and they came out really awesome. We've gotten some great feedback on it. And basically what we talk about is bravery. We talk about how you can cultivate it, why it's so important in business and career and some of the myths that are out there. So for example, Pamela Slim who has the book Escape from Cubicle Nation, she talked about this idea that bravery is not an input, it's actually a product. This is a little bit of what we talked about earlier in the show. But we sometimes think once I work up the courage, then I'll do it. It actually happens the opposite way. Once you do something that's out of your comfort zone, bravery is a byproduct. You start to feel brave. You start to feel differently after you take the action. Sort of like jumping out of an airplane. Sure, exactly like it. Yeah, I remember when I you know, got out of the airplane, uh, I climbed on the wing and held on and I just kind of looked up and let go. And once I let go, it was done. I was committed. (laughs) And that's, I think that's the experience of living that we really want. Sometimes we think we want to stay comfortable. It's what keeps people in jobs they don't love, even in businesses they don't love. Um, But really, we want just the experience of being alive. And that includes the scary stuff. It includes the sad stuff. It includes all of it. Um, but I would much rather have the feeling of being alive than kind of this comfortable numbness. Right. What was Seth Godin like to interview? He's a sharp guy. I, I, was, I was really privileged to be able to have an interview with him. And he is an inspiring guy. You know, we, one of the things that made it really unique was we talked about some things I've never heard him talk about in the interview. We talked about the things that keep him up at night, the things that scare him. That was a big reason I did the podcast is because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of great interview shows that kind of talk to people and get their secrets, but there yeah. aren't always as many that talk to people who are successful and say, what, um, what are you not great at or what scares you and things like that. So it was a unique interview in that way. And I was grateful to have the opportunity. Yeah. What was your big takeaway? You know, I think, I think my biggest takeaway was he said something, you know, just, just brilliant, which is he said, you don't go back to the acupuncturist the second time because of where they put the needles. What he meant by that was that we create stories. This is what marketing is about at its core. Is we create stories about the experiences we have, the products we use, the services that we pay for. And it's not always about exactly the function of them. You know? And honestly, this is kind of a, a secret in coaching, but a lot of co- the reasons coaching works is just because of the magic of the agreement. You have someone who you're accountable for. You have someone you have clear agreements with. You have someone where you can finally get some space in your business, in the day-to-day, and zoom out a little bit. So it's not always about what you talk about. Sometimes it's just about showing up. So I love this example of the acupuncturist because there is a huge placebo effect in acupuncture, and that's great. That's fantastic if it works, right? And so I think thinking about how you're marketing yourself, whether it's a personal brand in your career or as an entrepreneur, is really important. What's the story people are telling themselves about how they interacted with you after they leave? Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I love that. So who out there do you wish you could interview but you haven't yet? Um, you know, I, I so one of the reasons I only did seven interviews is I didn't love being an interviewer. So I oh. didn't do it, right? I like to stay in my zone of genius. So um I don't I don't plan on continuing to do more interviews. If I had the opportunity to interview someone else, um, you know, I I guess I would love to interview um Marty Seligman, who wrote a book um, where he talks about onlyness. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the book's name. It's called Zag. 
So it's okay. essentially the idea of you, while everyone else zigs, you want to zag. It talks yes. about this idea of brand onlyness. What makes you different and, and, and better than all the other options out there? And I think he's a great thought leader in the marketing world. And I'd love to sit down with him and pick his brain because uh, he has some great concepts. That is absolutely amazing. We talked about the power of saying no earlier. Is there a specific example where you can think of where saying no was extremely helpful to your career? Mm. It's really like every day, right? <laughs> like everything yeah. that I'm not saying yes to is a no. Um, I think that saying, um, man, I think that saying no to the work and opportunities that I was doing when I had a job was crucial because I wouldn't have had a business otherwise. Yeah. I think that saying no to doing products and courses and all these things that we're taught will give us leverage um, was really huge because it allows me to work with people in a very intimate way that actually transforms them. Um, so that's a constant thing is just saying no to the, the a business model that I don't want. Um, yeah. I think saying no to clients that aren't a great fit is so important because um, if you're kind of in that scarcity uh, mentality and you take someone on because you want the money or because you want to fill up, um, you're not going to get great results with them um, and you're gonna, your confidence will go down and they won't be happy, obviously. So I think that it's, it's a constant practice of saying no. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you there. You mentioned, a, you mentioned rituals earlier in the show. Do you have a specific morning ritual that you go through every day? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll walk you through mine. And yes. the caveat is it's going to be different for other people, right? And this is actually one of the things Seth Godin talked about in our interview is everyone wants to know what type of pencil Stephen King uses to write. But the pencil doesn't matter, right? The pencil isn't actually the point. Right. Um, it's, it's that every creative person has their own ritual. So as a reference, um, I think there are three things that you got to have in your morning ritual, three really important things, and then I'll go into mine. You have something that supports your body, something that supports your mind, your knowledge, your intellect, and then I think you need something that supports your kind of emotional world, whether that's spiritual for you or just kind of getting in touch of where you're at and getting a grounding. For me, I do that in meditation. That's the first thing. When I wake up at 6, do 20 minutes of meditation, and that just that just gets me into who I am. And I think so many people wake up, the first thing they do is see where other people are at. They check their Facebook, they go down their feeds, they check email. But the problem with that is now you've become reactive. The first thing you've done today is become reactive instead of proactive. You'll always be stuck in the urgent things versus the important things. So the first thing I do is meditate. I go down and have a meal with my partner, Emma. We spend some time together. I go up and read. So that's kind of the intellectual, supporting the intellectual foundation of myself. And then I do some writing, another intellectual thing. And then after that, I work out. So it's just a quick, like, 20-minute body weight thing. I've been really able to distill what I do down to something very efficient. And then I shower and then have another meal. And then it's, then it's into the coaching. So th that's what I do. You know, and I also stack throughout the day. I put all the things that are reactive at the end. So I put meetings. I only check my email once a day now for 30 minutes. So, I mean, you know, that all, that's at four, that's four to, you know, 4.30 usually. So that's yeah. the very end of my day is when I can respond to other things, which leaves the beginning of my day to do my best creative work, the scary stuff, the things that really push me. That is awesome. What's the scariest thing you've ever done, Greg? I think the scariest thing that I've ever done is, um, you know, the first thing that came to mind, I don't know if this is the definitive answer, but was moving here, moving to, we're 90 minutes out of DC. And it was a, was a huge 
transition and one that I didn't expect. We went from a studio apartment in D.C. to this huge property in West Virginia, and it's been a total blessing. But the first month or two were really hard. Um, it really just glitched my subconscious. It was like, whoa, what, what's, going, what's going on here? Yeah. And I think I wasn't prepared for, the, for how it would be. Um, since then, it's been one of the best things I've done. Usually the scariest things are the best things too. And it's really helped me slow down to be able to walk outside my house, be in nature. Um, as someone who's naturally kind of quick moving and driven, being in the city I think only exacerbates some of the negative parts of that. So talking about being intentional and being proactive when you're in a quiet environment where you have that space to figure out what's the most important thing, that can be huge. So the first thing that comes to mind is, is moving out here to the country. Absolutely. I remember when I was in college, I spent three summers out in D.C. And I remember getting back home to Iowa right before school started and thinking, oh, my gosh, life slowed way down. Yeah. I felt so restless. I loved being at home, but I felt so restless because the pace was so incredibly different than what I had experienced all summer long. And D.C. felt almost too fast for me. Uh, only the third summer of those three summers did I actually have my car. And I'll tell you what, I prayed on the Beltway every single day when I got on it. It was just not pleasant at all. <laughs> that sounds brutal. No, it's absolutely brutal. So we've got about three minutes to the end. Let me just ask you, who inspires and motivates you? This is the question I ask everybody. Mm, I'm sure this is a common answer, but my mom. Uh, my mom and my dad for different reasons. My mom, because she grew up in a trailer park, and uh, now she runs her own business. is very successful at it. And my dad, because he's just the most thoughtful, best listener that I've ever that I've ever known. And he's with those two personalities combined, I think really informs my coaching because there's a thoughtfulness and intentionality and slowness, but there's also a let's, let's get after it. Let's make it happen. So those are the two biggest role models in my life. That's awesome. Where can we find out more about you, Greg? So the best place if you use Facebook is to go to facebook.com slash G Faxon or search Greg Faxon in the search bar. Cause that's where I kind of pressure test my best ideas. So you hear of them first there. If you're not big on Facebook, go to my blog, go to gregfaxon.com and sign up for the newsletter, and that's another way to get to know me better. Um, but my favorite way is when people just reach out via email. So greg at gregfaxon.com, let me know what resonated with you, um, and let me know what you're struggling with, and that's, I love to keep kind of an ear to the ground about what is working and what people are, um, are connecting with. Fantastic. One minute to the end. Let me just ask you one quick last question. If you had a chance yeah. to meet the 18-year-old version of yourself, what would you tell him? I would tell him, you're just getting started, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I would and just remind him of, of how his potential is unlimited. And for everyone listening, it's like, you're just getting started. There's way more. I love that answer so much. We are coming up to the end of the show. My very special guest this week was Greg Faxon. Greg, thank you so much for being here. It was a lot of fun. Grateful for you, Brian. Thanks for listening, everyone. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We will come back next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern where I will interview another very successful person, learn how they succeeded, what they overcame, and the lessons that we can apply. And you can also find me on Facebook, on Twitter, and you can also download and subscribe to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes for free anytime. Leave a review and please stay in touch. We will come back next week. And until then, you have a wonderful week and go get it. It's in you. We're just getting started. Have a good one, everyone.
Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and 